on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Rush Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Sunday evening. We don't do a lot of Sunday evening podcasts uh, here on the Go Balls 24-7 Sports Podcast Network, but we are doing one tonight because Tennessee has a bowl game announcement. The Vols will be playing the Iowa Hawkeyes in the uh, Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. So for those of you like me who are uh, really tired of that. Uh, I woke up feeling the cheesiest coach commercials. Um, not done with those. Those are going to be prominently back in the mix for the next little bit. We got a lot to talk about. Obviously, this being a tortoise and hare bowl and the sort of hilarity of that uh, versus how frustrating could it be sometimes to watch Iowa play. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of that stuff. Talk about who's going to play, who's, who's not going to play. We don't know a lot of that stuff yet, but we're still going to discuss it, what it means, balancing this year, next year. All kinds of stuff to get to, but before we do that, I'm going to welcome in the uh, the co-host of this edition of the podcast, Ben McKee. Ben, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Excited for, or ready, I should say, for this exciting month of, of bowl season for Tennessee. I, I think it's going to be sneaky exciting for Tennessee and Tennessee fans. I, I think maybe some look at the matchup and maybe scoff at it a little bit because it's it's Iowa, but uh, it, it's still a, a good football program in general. They've won double-digit games this season. They've won their division, I believe, two out of the last three years, just played Michigan for the Big Ten championship game. Uh, the offense is absolutely horrendous. Make no bones about that. One of the but, worst you'll ever see at a Power 5 team. Quite literally, one of the worst ever. Um, but that doesn't mean that a win would not be significant or uh, that it's a, a, a fun little matchup, even if it isn't the the sexiest on paper. So I, I think it'll be a sneaky good bowl month for Tennessee and Tennessee fans, but uh, surprised that you do not like uh, the, the cheese it, cheeses, cheesiest commercials because you, you typically are the king of being cheesy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, speaking of uh, cheesiness, I do apologize. We're probably about an hour or two late, at least, on getting this thing out. It is my wife's birthday today. And so uh, as much as I love bringing y'all podcasts, uh, I have one wife, only plan to have that one wife. And uh, we had some uh, some lobster tail and crab cakes and filet mignon to cook, and I was not going to waste that stuff. So uh, we got this out as soon as we could. So we're going to discuss all this and we got to you not too late. So again, uh, apologies a little bit, but nonetheless, we move on. And Ben, I I think it's, let's not forget this. If you can't be in the playoff as an SEC team, you want to be in a New Year's Six game. If you can't be in a New Year's Six game, Tennessee got the very next best possible thing, which is the Citrus Bowl, which again is not anything to scoff at necessarily it's not i mean listen a lot of these bowl names they don't mean what they used to because 
it's a different world now because there's there's basically playoff games and then everything else. Understand that. Uh, that's, that's the reality of the situation. And because of that, you've got teams that maybe um, are sliding into bowls that in a normal year back in the day, like a four-loss Tennessee team probably wouldn't be in the Citrus Bowl. It would probably be like, you know, Outback or something at best. Um, but now uh, this just sort of the way things shook out this time, Tennessee was able to slide into the Citrus Bowl for the first time since I believe 2002. It has been a hot minute since Tennessee has been down there. It used to be the you can't spell citrus without UT. Well, for for 20 plus years, you've been spelling it without it every year. So now Tennessee is in this thing. And on paper, it is one of the more interesting bowl matchups just because you, you think – and even if this isn't like the the quintessential Josh Heupel offense or Josh Heupel football team, it's still a team that goes fast and can get downhill and can rack up points in 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 spurts. Facing a team that plays football almost like it was played fifty years ago, it, it is. If you think Kentucky goes slow, if you think that Kentucky sort of is a little bit archaic and you haven't watched Iowa yet, you ain't seen nothing. The Hawkeyes, they are a tremendous defensive football team, a tremendous special teams football team. And they do the little things on those ends of the, uh, those, those parts of the game. So good. They do them so well consistently. And they have been able to win 10 games despite being about as bad as you'll ever see a power five team be offensively. So on one hand, it's like, you know what that tip your hat, tip your hat, because if you are that bad offensively and you win 10 games and you win a a, a division title, even if it's the big 10 West, man, you're still that to me on some level, that is absolutely commendable. Now I'm glad I don't have to watch it every week. I'll be honest, but you know, it's, it's, it's something, isn't it? It absolutely is. And to your point about doing all the little things right, uh, aside from the college football playoff discourse that has taken over social media uh, over the last 36 to 48 hours, the, the one trending thing on college football Twitter or college football social media has been the hustle play of the Iowa player who missed uh, a tackle on punt return, he's a gunner on the punt return team for Iowa, number four, and uh, he missed the initial tackle when uh, Michigan's punt returner uh, fielded the punt, and the Michigan punt returner was able to to, to reel off a huge punt return and yards, essentially yeah. uh, spark a Michigan touchdown because he got it inside the five, inside the seven-yard line, uh, and the reason it wasn't a touchdown was because this gunner for Iowa – after missing the tackle, absolutely hawked down the Michigan punt returner. I mean, just all-out effort, all-out hustle, absolutely epitomizes what you want to see from your players or, or the players on the team that you root for. And uh, kind of the, the general theme that you've seen on social media is like, hey, that clip is going to be shown everywhere in, in coaching clinic videos and, and young kids watching. It's, it's going to be pointed out and. Uh, it absolutely should be that that was my favorite play of the weekend, quite honestly, because I, I love those type of things. Uh, the, the the hustle plays, the, the hustle guys, the, the fan favorites. It, it's why everybody loves 
Zakai Ziegler. It's why everybody loved Jawan Jennings. I mean, even tonight, just a little while ago, Jawan just absolutely giving a, a huge stiff arm to an Eagles DB to throw yeah. him off of him for a touchdown. Th- those type of plays. Drew Gilbert on the baseball field. Everybody loves those type of players. And uh, Iowa certainly lacks skill offensively. There's no doubt about that. But they do all the little things at an elite level quite frankly. And you can say this about Kirk Ferentz and, and that about Kirk Ferentz and, and the Iowa football program. They win football games. It's not pretty, but they, they, they've they won football games pretty frequently for a, a pretty extended period of time at this point. And uh, again, not competing for national championships per se, but nothing to scoff at. They are a respected program uh, within the sport, I believe, even if the offense isn't sexy to watch. So uh, if Tennessee isn't ready to play on January 1st and, and isn't prepared to match those fine details and, and the hustle plays, then uh, Iowa is certainly capable of beating Tennessee, even with that poor, poor offense. They they, they are exceptional in special teams and play great defense. Tennessee is going to have to be ready to play, which is obviously the question mark surrounding every team playing in a bowl game every season nowadays. But uh, in, interested to see how the matchup plays out real quick before we maybe give a couple more thoughts on the matchup itself. Uh, I, I don't, again, I said it off the top, Wes, I, I don't think this is anything to scoff at, that, that Tennessee's going to the Citrus Bowl or th- there's reasons not to be excited. If this was Georgia or Alabama or, or those those teams who are just loaded with talent and, and their their goal every single season is national championship or bust, then okay, at that point, playing in a Citrus Bowl, they, they shouldn't be in the Citrus Bowl. But uh, yes, this season was disappointing, uh, but getting to the Citrus Bowl is still an accomplishment to a certain extent. And Bill Martin, Tennessee's SID, had a great stat on Twitter, uh, Tennessee's great sports information director. Last two seasons for Tennessee football, last year, first Orange Bowl since the 1997 season. And then this year, first Citrus Bowl since the 2001 season, uh, Josh Heupel joins Philip Fulmer and Bill Battle as the only coaches to lead Tennessee to bowls in each of his first three seasons. So, of course, you'd, you'd much prefer to be playing in a more esteemed bowl, but there is absolutely no shame in, in Tennessee playing in, in the Citrus Bowl this year. And, and I do think we kind of talked about this after the Vanderbilt on that postgame podcast, Wes. The, the trajectory is still pointed upwards for Tennessee, and I, I think this is the latest indication that that trajectory is still pointed upwards. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, ben, ben, there's no question. If you can't be in a playoff game, the best thing you can be is a New Year's Six game. And if you're an SEC team and you can't get in the New Year's Six, the very next best thing you can do, quite literally, is go to the Citrus Bowl. So that is a, a good thing for for Tennessee. That is, that is a nice bowl. That is a nice piece of the puzzle. That is... A, a heck of a consolation prize after what's been occasionally a very frustrating season. To your point on Iowa there, that Iowa, the gunner play, was my second favorite play of championship Saturday. I think the first, the absolute best play that I saw the entire day yesterday, uh, and, and thank God to my, my, it's my wife's birthday, but she let me watch a lot of those games, and I really appreciate that on her birthday weekend. But it, it, it was the the play that Florida State's linebacker Bethune that he made uh, late in the game Louisville had a first down and people talk about that interception he had two plays later that was fantastic the pass breakup he had on first and goal is one of the most impressive pass breakups I have ever seen at any level of football it was timed perfectly 
just basically right off the turf in the end zone, knocked the ball away, prevented Louisville from going ahead in that football game. And you just, there were so many things that Florida State defense did. Full disclosure, I said all along, I think the committee got it right. I think last night I said those are the four teams I would pick. But I do feel wretched for Florida State because all you can do is play who's in front of you. It's not their fault their quarterback got hurt. That defense, those guys have, those are animals on defense. Those guys are absolutely unreal defensively. How good would like Verse have looked coming off the edge for Tennessee with all those other those other edge guys Tennessee has? My God, they've got some dudes on that Florida State defense. Built a lot of it through the portal too, so it shows what you can do there if you play your cards right. But I think the reason I was talking about Florida State and that defense was because the the Iowa defense is not as talented necessarily as that Florida State defense, but what it also does exactly like Florida State's defense does is it it plays the angles beautifully and it just it makes you make low percentage throws, it makes you make bad decisions. It's like a defense that is built to frustrate an offense like Tennessee's. Because they're going to say, Iowa sits there all the time and says, you know what? You can go on a 10, 12 play drive if you want. You're not going to score a touchdown. We're going to make you make a mistake before you get to the end zone. That's either going to be a turnover or that's going to be a holding penalty or that's going to be a mistake where you get behind the chains and then we're just not going to let anything in front of us and we're going to get a stop. And that's just how they play the game. That's how they play the numbers. If you're at Iowa, Ben, you you can't. You talk about the recruiting challenges of a place like, you know, Tennessee, which you it's hard to recruit just every year at the most elite level compared to like your peers. Um, you can do it. It's been done before, but it, it's not always as easy because just in the state, it's different in, than it is in like your Florida's and Texas's and, and Georgia's and even your Alabama's and Louisiana's. But you talk about putting that on another level, recruiting to Iowa City. I mean, it's not like you were trying to recruit to Ames, Iowa, but trying to recruit to Iowa City, you're recruiting a different kind of dude most of the time. You're recruiting a dude that is maybe a couple inches shorter or a little bit thicker or a little bit thinner, and you have to build something out of him. And there are a few programs, I think, been anywhere in in the sport. And you know this because you watch more NFL than I do you know how many players, NFL players, have been developed by that Iowa program, sculpted out of not big-time prospects who turned into very good professional football players. And they, they just, there's something in that program. They build, they, they, they're patient, they bide their time, and they make themselves competitive every year, which, again, they've had a couple of lean years here and there, but they, they outkick their their coverage right like they play above what that program should play at consistently to the point where you start saying well that's what they should do when you forget no that's really not what they should do they're 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 beating teams they shouldn't be able to beat and they're doing it every year yep because of of that strong defense strong special teams play and uh they, they play hard that they, they handle all the details as i have previously talked about uh that they, they just do all the little things at an extraordinary, extraordinarily high level, except on offense, of course. Their, their offense is just flat-out atrocious. I don't know how how other way to, to say that. Uh, but in terms of why they've been able to, to win as many games as they've had despite a poor offense is because of the hustle plays and, and all the small details defensively and uh, on, on special teams and 
Uh, it, it is pretty amazing how many defensive guys it seems to to be in the NFL from Iowa, despite those lack of recruiting advantages that that you mentioned. That that's a tough job, Iowa. They're they're in Big Ten country against those Big Ten teams. Kind of got to find uh, the the diamonds in the rough and and find the the ones that Ohio State and, yeah, and your, Michigan your George Kittles and those types of dudes right you you got to find the ones that the the blue bloods don't want and then make sure that you, you don't get fooled when, when recruiting them out of high school uh, with your evaluation and then you have to do a great job of developing them once they do get to campus and and that's a really difficult. Uh, thing to do and I, I know I'm somebody that kind of sticks up for Mark Stoops more than I would like to but that that's the thing that I've been most impressed with by Stoops at Kentucky and, and I'm bringing up Kentucky because Iowa kind of reminds me of yeah. of the Kentucky of the Big Ten right now in, in terms of they have to win it at least of, of late they've had to win it defensively and, and on special teams and, and being tough and um, playing hard and, and and those type of things and uh, I, I think that's why you hear Mark Stoops associated with Iowa so much. I, I know that that's his alma mater, right? Um, uh, I or, think, or he has a connection to to Iowa. He's got a connection to that program. I'm trying to remember what. And it is I think now. it's his alma mater. Um, so I, I get that, but I also do think just and, and it makes sense, right? If 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 Stoops would fit in at Iowa, it's fitting that he's from Iowa in in that extent. So, um, but I I, I say again, I say that to say Tennessee's got a. They're just going to have to show up and, and be ready to play, uh, which brings me to to my biggest question mark about this football game. We, we will obviously have plenty of time to to dive into the X's and O's and uh, give you a better scouting report on Iowa. We have a great Iowa two four seven site. We've yes. already been in been in contact with them. That uh, they've got some content up of of us. We're going to have some content up of them early and throughout this bowl process. Uh, so we'll certainly have a more in-depth scout of Iowa for you at some point and throughout this next month. Um, but just looking at the big pictures on this podcast, Wes, the, the big one to me is who's going to be ab- available for Tennessee mm-hmm. and with who is available, how locked in is Tennessee going to be? Uh, and I'll say that I would be very surprised if Tennessee doesn't show up ready to play on New Year's Day. Uh, that's just not the M.O. of of Josh Heupel and his culture and his program. I, I would be very surprised if if they don't take this seriously. And again, I think it's a great opportunity to to go win nine football games and, and get your ninth win over a double-digit win football team that just played for the Big Ten Championship and somewhat validate this season because Tennessee is lacking a premier win. And, and I don't mean to suggest that I, beating Iowa would would be like beating uh, Alabama or Georgia or, or even Florida because that's a rivalry game that Tennessee hasn't fared well in, and, and that would have been huge even though that Florida team wasn't good and didn't make a bowl game. I, I don't mean to suggest that a win over Iowa in a bowl game would be to that magnitude, but but I do think it would give the credence, a little more credence to this year's football team because they do lack a, a key win or, or even a signature win. Uh, A&M fired its coach and Florida wasn't or excuse me, South Carolina wasn't good. Kentucky wasn't good. So on and so forth. Virginia wasn't either. Uh, so I, I think it would it would give credence to this season and, and make it a, a more successful feeling, even if you you did fall short of your goal. So I think they will be ready to play. The question is, who is going to be available to play? 
Uh, and and Josh Heupel kind of talked about this, Wes. He, he expects for the bulk of the guys who decide to move on, he expects for the bulk of those guys to, to play this year or play in this bowl game, much like we saw last year in the Orange Bowl. I think with them playing Orlando, I think the two big biggest question marks on the offensive side with Joe Milton and Jalen Wright, with the game being in Orlando where Joe is from, I would be stunned if if Joe decided not to play in his hometown to finish out his college football career. Uh, and then on the flip side, I would be surprised if Jalen Wright uh, decides to play in the game. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't decide to go to the NFL. Um, we'll see what he ends up doing. But just with the nature of the position and, and his draft stock, he to me, he has the highest draft stock of anybody uh, that is going to potentially be drafted this year. He in uh, He's been Tennessee's best player, I think, offensively and defensively this year and uh, that would be a, a huge loss for Tennessee in this football game because um, obviously the strength of this Tennessee football team this year was running the football. It was and I think that's those are the best questions to ask. I'll, I'll tell you this Tennessee better be ready to play because Iowa will. I can guarantee you that Iowa the culture of that program the 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 kind of us against everybody we're little old Iowa kind of the mentality they've got they're going to come ready to play in this bowl game they're going to see this as a chance to beat an SEC team uh, and put on on a pretty good stage and kind of take things forward going with their offense in a new direction next season which they're going to do and all that so yeah i think Tennessee's going to be needing to ready to to be ready to play because Iowa absolutely will but who will and who will not play for Tennessee that is the question, as uh, I think that was uh, Bill, Billy Shakespeare, I believe he said that. So we need to figure out, we need to discuss this. Who's going to play for Tennessee and, and who isn't? And, and what are the biggest ones to watch? What are the most important ones to watch? And, and sort of what does this mean and how do you balance the whole playing, you know, for now to win a game, but also preparing for your future? And we got to discuss all that. But before we do that, uh, we're just a tiny bit overdue for a break. So let's step away, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then come right back here on the Govals 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Welcome back to the GoVoss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product services and in-house ads. You just heard a moment ago during that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from his home studio here on a Sunday night, a chilly, not too chilly, but it's about to get chillier, I believe, Sunday night here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, discussing Tennessee matched up with Iowa, the Hawkeyes, in the uh, in the Citrus Bowl coming up. I think it's the cheese at Citrus Bowl on Jan- January 1st. Right there, New Year's Day, 1 p.m. Eastern in Orlando. ABC will have the call, which will be a nice transition for Tennessee into the whole like SEC will be on ABC thing going forward, which we're all going to have to get used to. And so those guys will have the call, and we will see what Tennessee is able to do in that game. It's certainly not a not a not a uh, playoff game. It's not a New Year's Six game, but it is a a a, a best of scenario that doesn't involve that. So we'll see. What comes of that? We got another month to get ready for that game to talk to you about it, and we'll do that starting now after just a quick request from our end to go right in there. Please, if you can, just take a minute, go rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate that. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, we love you. Nothing wrong with that. 
No wrong way to consume this podcast. does help us out more, though, if you go on there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world. You can cast a fine pod. You can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. No complaints whatsoever. Labor of love. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people that you want to be your friends. Tell people that you're like, you know what? That person's wearing Tennessee gear. I'm wearing Tennessee gear. I, you know what? I'm going to go talk to them. I need an icebreaker. This, You know what? What a hell of an icebreaker this is. Tell them about the GoVols 24-7 podcast. You would not believe how many people have started listening to this podcast based on that stuff. We hear about it every week, and it's one of my favorite things about us doing this podcast. So if you're already doing that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Opt-outs, Ben. Opt-outs. Tennessee will have some, I imagine. Uh, It's in this day and age, you almost never go through a bowl game without having them unless you're playing in the playoff. At, At that point, it's a business decision that some guys need to make. And I've said this for a couple of years now. I said it even when McCaffrey did it a couple of years ago and really kind of started this whole trend in some ways. I understand it. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. For some guys, it is absolutely a safe decision to make and one for their futures and one that I don't think anyone should begrudge them for. You certainly appreciate those who take the risk and come play in the bowl game. You appreciate that. But I don't think it's it's right for anyone to sit here and question, you know, whether a guy should be doing that. You're one one game away or one one injury away from making significantly less money. And at that point, eh, go ahead and if you don't want to take the risk, don't take the risk. Tennessee's going to have some guys. Ben, you mentioned there at the, at the end of the first segment, Jalen Wright. We'll see. Um, he's one of those guys who, you know, I don't know what he would do. I I don't think I would begrudge him saying he didn't want to play in this game. Uh, and the other one is the most fascinating one for many reasons is Joe Milton the third, because you mentioned this a minute ago, Ben, this is his hometown, right? He, he was well, technically, he, he's from, he's technically from Pahokee, but he went to high school, uh, finished his high school career there in, in Orlando. His mom wanted him to get out of Pahokee and get to a better situation in Orlando. And he did that. So they're both kind of his hometowns. And he, I think he calls Pahokee his hometown, but Orlando's like his home away from home. And and I think that is one big thing that will pull him in that direction. However, however, Ben, there is a secondary thing to talk about here. And that's that Joe Milton the past couple weeks has put some really good film out there for everybody. And I was a really, really good defense. So if you, if the last memory you've got for scouts is even against not a great defense, looking really, really good and putting a bunch of really good stuff out there. Do you really want your last taste before the senior bowl and before the, the combine and all that to be what's most likely going to be a rock fight? Do you want that as your lasting legacy? I don't know. So I, if I had to guess knowing Milton, I would guess that he probably wants to play, but I would not blame him whatsoever. If he said, you know what guys, I, uh, I I think I'm going to take my shot elsewhere. Yeah. To your point, I, I, I echo the same sentiment that you shared uh, about. I, I'm not going to blame a player who decides to to opt out. It, it is a good business business decision. Uh, I, I don't think that's a wrong decision, but I certainly, and I cannot emphasize this enough, I certainly appreciate and respect the players like Darnell Wright, who have everything on the line, who still decide to play in the bowl game. Yep. And, and again, 
I don't at all fault somebody for, for deciding not to. I totally understand it. But I, I can still sit up here and, and immensely respect Darnell Wright more for, I mean, he was the number 10 overall pick and essentially risked that to play in one final game that we say is meaningless. And if we want to get in the weeds, technically it, it kind of can be, depending on how you look at it. Sure. But to him, the important part is to him, it was not meaningless. And, and I respect the ha- the heck out of that because, I mean, he, he's playing next to, to Javante Spragans, has played next to Jerome Carvin for several years, Cooper May several years, and those are his guys. And he, he can't fathom the thought of, of not finishing out what he started. And so even though it could be meaningless from an NFL perspective, from a draft perspective, it's not meaningless because you're finishing something that you're starting. And unfortunately, in our society, that just doesn't exist as much as it used to. It's not as important as much as it used to. Uh, and, and if Jalen Wright decides to to not play in the bowl game, I'm not going to look at him any differently. I'm not going to view him any differently. I'm not, I'm not going to think it's a bad decision. I think it be a, a good decision for him because you, you are ri- you are risking stuff when, when you are a draft prospect like Darnell Wright, like Jalen Hyatt, like Jalen Wright, like Joe Milton. You, you are risking playing in a bowl game. There, there's there's no bones about that. That that's the absolute truth. That's a fact. But although I may not look at Jalen Wright differently, I would have infinitely more respect for him. And appreciation for him, maybe the better way to say it, because I don't want to act like I don't have appreciation for him. Um, I would have much more just because, again, kind of going back to those hard nosed players that they give out the the hustle and, and leave it all out on the line. Th- those are the, the fan favorite types. Right. And, and I, I think playing in the bowl game uh, kind of kind of brings in that level of laying it all out on on the line. So we'll, we'll see what happens again. I, I don't think it would be a bad decision for Jalen Wright. Uh, it, it would kind of surprise me if he did play in a bowl game, and uh, that will certainly impact Tennessee in, in a negative way for this individual game. But, hey, I think you you could also look at it in a positive in the sense of uh, probably Jabari Small's last game in, in orange and white, and, and I would imagine that he plays. Uh, but it, it's a great opportunity for Dylan Sampson to springboard himself into next season because he is going to be RB1 next year. Cam Selden, he's probably going to be RB2 going in the next year. I, I don't see a situation where Tennessee adds a running back in the portal. Uh, so even if Jalen Wright doesn't play, yes, that's unfortunate for this particular game, but it also will, will give valuable reps to Sampson and Selden and, and with a sprinkle and, and a touch of Jabari Small to to uh, propel them into next year. I, I think the other two, you, you talked about Joe at length, and uh, I think the only other one that pops into my head that are true NFL draft prospects that that would be risking something if they played. I think the other one is Tyler Barrett. Yeah, that would be the other uh, one. Maybe Amari Thomas, but uh, I, I think Tyler Barron is up a tier in terms of NFL draft prospects. Yeah. Uh, and he, he seems to be one that it would be a, a little bit surprising if he's back next year, whereas it wouldn't be as surprising if Amari Thomas is back next year. Uh, so those are kind of the three that I'm looking at is uh, Joe Milton, Jalen Wright, and uh, Tyler Barron. Uh, and Barron, we'll, we'll see what he does as as well. That one I, I think you can overcome in a bowl game. Obviously, you'd love to have him out there. Uh, but if, if some of those other veterans play, you, you should be fine. And, hey, again, opening the door for younger players. Get get David Hobb some reps because he's going to be needed 
next year. Uh, and, and then Joe Milton, I, I think that conversation is fascinating, although real quick before Milton, Omar Norman Lott, probably another one worth mentioning. The one that's sneaking up there, sneaking up yeah. there. And, and we'll see what he does. Didn't play in the, what, final two games because of injury or the, uh-huh. the last game uh, due to injury. Uh, so we'll see what he decides to do. So we, we should throw his name in there as well. Um, but Joe Milton, I, I think that one's a fascinating conversation. You you kind of brought it up there. On one hand, I think it is worth it for him to play in a bowl game and add more positive tape. Like, I, I don't think he can have enough positive tape. Uh, he He's not Drake May or Caleb Williams. He He's not Shadur Sanders even. And I know Shadur's probably coming back um, for, for another season with his dad, but he's not even Jaden Daniels. He, he hasn't had those type of seasons. Uh, so I, I do think it would benefit him to come back, play in this bowl game against a good defense. And if you have a good showing, that can really propel you into the offseason and the draft process. But on the other hand, we know the wide receiver situation has been kind of shaky, been up and down. You're dealing with injuries across the offensive line. You, you don't really know what what that's going to look like. Um, and I guess John Campbell Jr. is a, another name we should have mentioned. Uh, there, there's so many guys to kind of keep it all sorted out. You kind of forget until you yeah. bring up their position. But Campbell worth throwing in that group that I mentioned previously as well. But Joe doesn't know what that offensive line is going to look like. We already talked about Jalen Wright. He could be without Jalen Wright and that running game. Uh, so would you be able to capitalize on playing against a good Iowa defense. I don't know. It's a fascinating question to me. Yeah, and, and you're talking about a team that is just, I mean, again, for those who have not watched a tremendous amount of, you know, Big Ten football this season, which I get it, that can be a polarizing topic. A lot of people uh, like to watch good football no matter where it's played, and a lot of people don't, don't uh, especially in the Southeast, do not like watching Big Ten football. I understand both sides of that. Personally, I think good ball is good ball, and uh, there's some really, some really good ball up in the Big Ten. And uh, Iowa, in case you haven't watched a lot, Iowa's top five nationally in both total defense and scoring defense. And that is, that in special teams is the reason why Iowa has won 10 games because Iowa, we'll have a month to discuss this, but it's just wretched, again, just wretched offensively. But you look at defensively, do you really want to maybe run the risk of putting bad tape out there? Because Iowa has made some good players look average or bad. And so if you're you're Milton and you don't know what that O-line situation is going to be, you don't know what's going on with the receivers, your last go out was a, was a really good positive game, I can I can see that both ways. And I know there's a lot of Tennessee fans who are just kind of itching to say, even the ones who love Joe are like, listen, we love you, Joe, but we, we want Nico out there. We want to see Nico. We want He's going to be the guy next season, so they want to see it. And, I mean, I, I can't blame them for that. I mean, at this point, you know, you do want to have an eye toward next season, and, and that's – even the the more realistic people, I think, are beginning to understand that it's necessary for Tennessee to kind of maybe get Nico some some looks here and there, and he didn't get as many this season. They chose to kind of preserve that red shirt. We all know that now. Didn't at the time, but now we do. We knew that a couple of weeks ago, but it was kind of a topic there for a while that they were behind the scenes kind of figuring out. And so now you run into that thing that's probably the last thing when you talk about before we get out of here, Ben, is – how do you weigh like getting ready for this game, taking this game seriously, wanting to win this game, wanting to win a good a bowl game against a quality opponent versus getting guys ready for next season? Because we know if you don't play in the playoff, the absolute single best benefit for a team is the bowl practices. As much as anything else, the bowl practices 
that's a really good time to go back into fundamental work, right? You're not preparing for an opponent imminently necessarily. You can go back for the first couple weeks of bowl practice and really get back to, you know, the drawing board in terms of basic stuff, some more evenly dispersed reps, you know, some more technical fundamental work. That's so beneficial. And that was the biggest thing when Tennessee had a couple of years there where it didn't go to bowl games. That was the single biggest loss of all that was not having those practices because it was immense not having those practices. Now you get to have them and then you get a game on top of it against a good team. So I know, I believe it was Pat or Patrick Brown, our, our coworker who, who asked Josh Heupel about this during the Zoom call on Sunday night. But, you know, it's a fair question. How do you tackle getting ready for this game and taking it seriously versus you know, getting an investment in your future. Yep. How, how do you walk that balance of of wanting to to win this football game and, and prepare for that game, but also make sure that that your young guys that you're you're absolutely going to lean on next season. You, there there are several young guys that that you're going to have to lean on next year. They, they need they need the reps, and the good news is that you get 15 practices, and, and that's just as valuable as, as the game itself. Uh, if if you take full advantage of those fifteen practices, uh, but walking that line, I, I think it's a delicate balance. And you know, just thinking off the top of my head, I I do think that the way Tennessee's roster is constructed, I feel like it's going to take care of itself to a certain extent uh, because the 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 veterans that would quote be in the way of those young guys from from getting valuable reps in practice in the game. How many of those guys are actually going to exist? Guys that are veterans playing in their last game at Tennessee that aren't going to be here next year that are going to to be in the way by playing in this bowl game. And when That's I say be in the way, obviously I'm talking about on the the side of it, the side of the coin where you're building towards next year and trying to get these young guys reps. Uh Joe Milton would obviously be one if he decides to play, uh, you have your, your two tight ends, McCollin Castles and Jacob Warren in front of Ethan Davis. Outside of that, like, I, I don't know that there's going to be, you know, Jalen McCullough, I, I guess at safety, yeah. but, but who's he in the way of? I and, mean, unless you, you want to put like a Jordan Thomas or somebody back there. Yeah. For but a, I don't, I don't know look. how healthy he's going to be for a bowl game. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how healthy and, yeah. and available he is for the bowl game. That is a month from now. Um, but some of the corners like Judy Lally, some of those guys. Yeah. I, I think the secondary is probably where, where the question answers itself. Um, because you do have, you do have Gabe Judy Lally. Uh, we'll, we'll see what he decides to do with his future. Uh, did Nico slaughter? It, it feels like he's going to be back next year. Uh, but the question with him is, is, is it at corner or is it at safety? Uh, so that that's a good point, Wes. The, the corners in the way of Ricky Gibson, Jordan Matthews, Christian Conyers. Uh, and then you you have heard some good things here and there uh, about John Slaughter, the freshman yeah. safety who redshirted the season. And there's also a little buzz about Jack Luttrell maybe doing some things here and there. I, I think he had a nice fall camp uh, based off of what his expectations were coming into this thing. He was kind of the forgotten member of that secondary class of six or seven guys signing. Uh, he, he flashed here and there in, in fall camp and and. Uh, over the preseason, the offseason, leading into the preseason. Uh, so those are two safeties right there that I guess you could say you could say Jalen McCullough is in the way of. Uh, but you, you, who knows if you have Jordan Thomas. 
I, I would be surprised if Wesley Walker plays in the game because of injury, but there is also a chance of Wesley coming back. So if Wesley does come back and does play in the bowl game, which again, I don't, I don't think that that's very likely, then I don't think he would necessarily be in the way. It would just be tank. So uh, the, the, those are only a couple of positions on the roster. I know it may sound like a lot, but I mean, that's really three positions where if this guy or that guy doesn't decide to come back, then then they would be in the way. Because if you look at the offensive line, and I know Spragans is out for the season, uh, but a, a Cooper Mays or a John Campbell Jr., if they elect to to come back and play in the bowl game, then they're not going to be in the way of any of those young offensive linemen because technically they're going to be a part of next year's O-line and, and you're building towards next year's group. So uh, just because there's kind of a, a weird gap between all the veterans and all the young guys on this roster uh, because of the COVID stuff. I, I, I And, think and basically gonna... losing two recruiting classes when Hypo got yes, there. Because, yeah, because of the Pruitt stuff. I think it's kind of going to work itself out. I, I just don't see a, a lot of positions where – I mean, it's just really quarterback tight end and and the secondary where, where guys are going to be in the way if they decide to play in this game. Yeah, I would maybe. Or is that, or is that too many positions? No, I mean, I, I would, if anything, I might, I might cautiously, tentatively uh, add someone like Omari Thomas to that in case someone like some of those interior guys, maybe Hobbs would get some of those reps or something. I mean, there's always a couple of spots, but it, it comes down to just how much, how much would those guys be in the way versus, you know, how much in some cases do you owe those guys? If we're being honest, because these are guys who think they have a future in this game and some of them probably do on some level, or at least they're on the fringe of having a future in this game. And these guys stayed and played for Tennessee when a lot of other people said deuces and went elsewhere. And that anytime you talk to Heupel, it comes across very, very quickly how seriously he took that from them, how much it meant to him that these seniors last year and this year, that those guys said yes when so many other, in some cases, a majority of their classes said no and went to the portal or changed their commitments. And those guys stayed. And I think that meant a lot to Heupel. So if those guys are like, I'm all in, I want I want one last ride, you know what Heupel's going to do? Pretty damn sure he's going to give him one last ride. I think that's what he's going to do. And that might be frustrating for some fans, and I understand that. I'm not being, I'm not being um, insensitive to that. I just think that this is something that is kind of like that old player in Heupel comes out as a coach and – what these guys have done meant a lot to him, and if they want to play, he's going to let them play. And I think that that's, that's fair enough, man. It, you're talking about one game. It's not the end of the world, and I think if they want to play, he's going to let them. Yeah, I completely agree with that thought. I, I know for for some fans who are ready to move on for from some of those veterans, I, I know that's probably not music to the ears, and, and I, I get it, right? Like there, there's, there's veterans on this team. Like you appreciate – their contributions and sticking around and sticking it out and, and trying their best to, to help. Uh, but they, they also sparked some frustrating moments throughout the course of the mm-hmm. season. So I, I, I get it wanting to move on from, from those players for uh, these, these young exciting prospects that, that you're hearing about. I really do get that, but I, I think it's easy for us as fans of any sport of any team to, to kind of forget those type of elements like, 
like I think the quarterback position is obviously the the most polarizing one on Tennessee's roster right now, and, and not just because it's quarterback, uh, but because of some of Joe's frustrations at times. And then there's a big five star quarterback who yeah. is up there in the same conversation as Arch Manning, and, and some think he could be better than Arch Manning, who was the number one quarterback, number one player coming out of high school, depending on what service you looked at. Like I get wanting to see Nico. But the the coaching staff doesn't view it from the the fan perspective. They they view it as Joe stuck around when when he could have left after losing the job to Hendon, and also Joe took a chance on this staff before this staff ever played a single game. Joe Joe committed to Tennessee out of the portal from Michigan, but before this staff ever really had anything proof in the pudding that they could show Joe. And uh, obviously, in hindsight, Joe transferred for a reason, and some of those frustrations bled over to his time at at Tennessee. But I, I guarantee you, Joe had multiple suitors in the portal. Oh hell yeah! Despite those struggles at, at Michigan, so it's it's not like Tennessee was just giving him an olive branch just for the sake of giving him an olive branch. Like they didn't have to take him just to take him. Uh, Joe kind of picked them to a certain extent, so. We we talked about this going into senior day. If Joe wants to play in the game, it it would just be, I think it would be bad business to to say Joe, you're not playing in this game. Your last college football game, stuck it out with us in your hometown. You're not starting. This freshman is starting. I I, I think that would personally be bad business. And uh, now I would say on the other hand, like hey, maybe try to make a plan to to get Nico in the game if if the game allows it. Uh, but but my final thought on the whole conversation about trying to get young guys some some work in this game, Wes, is like it's easy to say out loud and, and on paper on December 3rd, uh, which also happy birthday to my mom. Today is her birthday. Oh, uh, happy as, birthday. As well. Yep. Shout out to, to Mama McKee. I guess uh, your wife was yesterday. No, technically was today, but she. Okay, that's right. When you have a two-year-old who ruins all your plans, you kind of do a couple hours one day and a couple hours another day. Fair <laughs> when, when you can so get, when, when you can find it. Shout out to to a couple of the women in, in our life, and, and happy birthday to uh, wifey Rucker and Mama McKee. Um, but w- when you find out, it's easy to say like, "Hey, yeah, let's get the young guys some work on December third when when the bowl game is announced." But when when you get into game week. When you're on site, when when you're warming up, you're you're coming out of the tunnel and and you take that first hit or, or see your guys take that first hit and the bullets start flying, the the competitive nature that I would hope that the coaching staff has, which it's evident that that they do have, when those bullets start flying, you're, you're doing everything you can to win that individual game. And I, I know folks don't want to hear it, but. I won't. I don't know about quarterback. I, I think you could probably play Nico and and still win this game because Iowa can't score points. Uh, but like playing a a Jalen McCullough or playing a Jack Luttrell or John Slaughter over Jalen McCullough just for the sake of the future, that doesn't help you win that individual game against Iowa. And when those bullets start flying, the coaches are going to do anything and everything to make sure that they win this individual game against Iowa. Yeah, for for people who have not seen like some of the behind the scenes stuff, like when Tennessee loses, a lot of y'all might be furious. I guarantee you, you're not angrier than Josh Heupel. That is a, he hides it for the most part pretty well at time. Like he, he's pretty good at hiding it in cameras and stuff, 
but that dude is a salty competitor. And I think you see that sometimes with some of those late fourth quarter decisions and other things like he, he takes this very seriously. He doesn't want to lose and he doesn't want to get blown out and he wants to win. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but we have a whole month to discuss all this stuff. So I'm glad we got this out to you today. I'm glad that we were able to get this discussion started because it is a a month of, of this. Go ahead, Ben. Well, I was going to say that the the one thing that I wanted to throw in earlier, we were kind of raving about Iowa special teams and, and defensive play. Uh, probably should have started with this off the cuff. I like the matchup for Tennessee. Like he, even though Iowa obviously has its has its strengths, it's a it's a ten win football team and playing in the Citrus Bowl. Obviously, it's done something well, uh, but I, I like this matchup because the the, the defense has been questionable this season at times, especially the second half of the season, what better remedy for a struggling defense than quite literally one of the worst offenses in the history of college football, at least at the the power five level, uh, like you mentioned earlier. So uh, even if the offense struggles, Tennessee's offense, that is, even if Tennessee's offense struggles, I'd like to think that Tennessee's defense doesn't allow – Iowa to have its best best performance of the season or a career day type situation. So uh, I, I think this particular matchup, it allows some some leeway for, for Tennessee's defense and Tennessee's offense to maybe sputter here and there, uh, but also finding a win just because that Iowa offense is incapable uh, of scoring points. What What's the over-under? What Was it like 36 and a half? I, it, it was the lowest you will ever see by a mile in a Tennessee football game. From the earlier ones that I saw, it definitely wasn't 40. 36 and a half. It, yeah. it, Tennessee opened as, according to FanDuel, Tennessee is a touchdown favorite uh, to open up, and, and the over-under opened at 36 and a half. And uh, I think that reflects exactly what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, sure, Tennessee has some question marks, but that offense is just dreadful. And uh, I, I think it's a perfect opportunity for t- Tennessee to take advantage of and, and win a ninth game. Yeah, if Tennessee shows up and brings the hard hat defensively, Iowa does not have another option for scoring points. If it can't ram the ball directly at you for like a 15-16 play, 10-minute touchdown drive, it's not putting points on the board unless it scores defensively or on special teams or gets a short field or something like that. Uh, But if you're Tennessee, you do have to show up and you do have to be ready to get hit because you're going to get hit and they are going to run the ball directly at you and they are going to try to rub your face in it. So if you can stand up to that, and if you show up physically ready to go, you know don't have too good of a New Year's Eve. If, if you're ready to go there on the first at, at one o'clock, then uh, then then I think Tennessee will be okay in this game. But you got to go out there and do it. You got to go out there and do it. We never quite know. But I think we're at a pretty good place now. We'll have a couple more podcasts for you. Obviously, this week Tennessee is in the thick of basketball season. Got tons of stuff to discuss there, and obviously football signing day stuff. Uh, right around the corner and uh, recruiting stuff, all that's coming hot and heavy right now, portal stuff, uh, guys playing in bowls, not playing in bowls, portaling, not portaling, portaling in, portaling out, all kinds of stuff going to be going on. And I know it's the holidays, so we're, we'll all be busy. Those of us who do this podcast, we have families too, so we'll be, we'll be doing everything we can. But there is a lot of serious work to do this month, and we will be all over it. Uh, beginning with bowl prep and with this roster overhaul that comes the next few weeks because it's it's a big one. And then basketball season, obviously, boom, just a couple weeks away. You know, another top 25 matchup coming up this weekend. And then um, then SEC plays right around the corner, Ben. It's it's that time. 
Absolutely. We'll be back on Tuesday and Thursday of this week to to what you're alluding to with uh, some some off season preview podcast. We're going to preview uh, the offense on Tuesday, discuss w- what it needs to accomplish, and and look more in depth at some of those decisions that we discussed. Who who or what position Tennessee should target in the portal? Uh, those type of fun questions, and and then we'll be we'll come back on Thursday and uh, do the defensive side of the football as well. So busy week with uh. Bowl practice, transfer portal, and then Tennessee basketball plays George Mason on Tuesday night, and then Illinois on on Saturday. And speaking of basketball, I, I do want to throw some salt in here. Salty Ben. Uh, maybe Rick Barnes isn't the, the worst coach of all time, and Tennessee basketball isn't the, the worst basketball program in, in the country when you look around the last couple of, of days and, and see all the upsets that are going on in, in college football, maybe or college basketball, maybe losing to number one, Purdue and number two Kansas at the time those rankings and uh, number fourteen North Carolina on the road albeit frustrating uh, maybe it's not the end of the world like uh, some wanted to make it out to be yeah it, we'll, we'll see the end of the world when when the full report on, on Connect and all that comes in that that might be determining how how apocalyptic things feel well I, there, there's nothing long term there so I think I, they're I didn't be fine. all I'd heard was that they're not like oh my god bad you probably have heard better think, than me I think he's going to be fine by the time SEC plays. SEC play rolls around, and I think they're purposefully going to be very cautious with him this month of December. That makes all the sense in the world. Ben, thanks for being here tonight, man, and we will uh, we'll be back here in just a couple days. Thank you, Wesley. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. 
And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.